last week we talked about how right and also how wrong we are. So this week we're going to talk about how right we could be by predicting how the regular season is going to end. Couldn't be worse than our last predictions, right? Episode 317 of the Lace Up Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. Brett Dubuff. Well, last week, I should say, uh, we talked about a Montreal native and New York Islanders legend, Mike Bossy, unfortunately passing away. And uh, this week, uh, Brett, unfortunately, uh, we have uh, another um, hockey legend that passed away, uh, this one being Habs legend Guy Lafleur, dead at the age of seven. Yeah, he, um, this is, uh, this one's another sad one. I guess there were, like, similar reports to my, uh, from Mike Bossy with Guy Lafleur, where he, um, he, like, I think it was an, another one where he had cancer, but he was, like, he was in extensive care. Um, so, yeah, he died, um, on, on, I think it was Friday. Um, yeah, word got out on Friday yeah, that Friday. he had passed away. Early Friday morning. Yeah, um, yeah, Guy Lafleur died, um, and uh, yeah, it's very sad, of course. Um, you know, it's interesting because, like, when I think of the Montreal Canadiens, um, like, yeah, you think of like Rocket Richard, Ken Dryden, um, mm-hmm. a bunch of those guys, but Guy Lafleur is really like synonymous with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and uh, so it's a very sad day for Montreal, um, and their things. He's a five-time cup winner. He's won the Art Ross three times, a six-time All-Star, uh, a Pearson, Ted Lindsay Award. I guess it was called the Pearson back in the day. Then, yeah. He won the Conn Smythe. Uh, t- he uh, also won the Hart Trophy two times. Um, yeah, he was. he died when he was 70. Um, and yeah, he played for 14 years in Montreal. He played in two years in Quebec and one year for the Rangers, which I didn't realize. I guess that was in the later half of his career, much later half of his career. Yeah. Uh, he had uh, 1,353 points in 1,126 games. Um, I guess his biggest or his best year was in 1976, 1977. Uh, when he had 136 points in 80 games, uh, he had 80 assists in those in those games. So he had an assist every game, pretty much, um, which is uh, yeah, it's insane because he like uh, we talked about goals last week with Mike Bossy, but uh, yeah, I guess he's just he was more of an assist guy, but he could still score every now and then, uh, 55, 60 goals in. A thousand and one hundred and twenty-six games is nothing to sneeze about, of course. Um, but yeah, he had seven hundred and ninety-three assists. Um, so yeah, he uh, um, he'll definitely be missed, and he's he's yeah. In my mind, he's one of the best. I, I can't. I don't have a top ten all-time list, but he's definitely up there um, in my in my books. 
Yeah, and the, the thing about Tequila Fleur is I feel like he was, um, like, obviously, if you watched him play or you're around that era where you heard stories about how good he was, you had an idea of the talent level that this guy possessed. Um, but for, for people like me and for people like Brett, who grew up uh, in the 90s and 2000s, essentially, uh, we never really got to see Guy Lafleur in person dominate the NHL landscape. We only got to see uh, famous highlights. And, of course, uh, that game against the Boston Bruins is infamous. Game 7, semifinals, 1979, right. which Guy Lafleur describes. And Brett talked about the 76-77 season as statistically being one of his best. Lafleur, in particular, that game against the Bruins called it the greatest game he ever played. And uh, one of the guys that was in the building at the time, uh, a very young guy, a very young Liam McGuire, noted hockey historian, um, he made note of this. And this goes to show you just how good of a talent Guy Lafleur was. The Boston Bruins, coached by Don Cherry at the time, everyone remembers him for the delay of uh, game call yep. or his um, lack of approval of that delay of game call that led to Guy Lafleur tying the game. The reason that delay of game call even happened in the first place is throughout most of the third period, Scotty Bowman, the coach of the Habs, was triple shifting Key Lafleur, not double shifting, triple shifting. So that crossed up the Bruins. They lost track of how many guys they had on the ice and they got caught. And of course, Guy Lafleur ends up tying the game, sends it to overtime and Montreal wins that game before scoring that goal. He actually set up two Habs goals to um, basically tie the game at three after the Habs were down 3-1 going into the third. So throughout the third period, it was the Guy Lafleur show, basically. And um, the volume of noise in the forum, Liam McGuire describes, felt like a jet engine when Lafleur scored the equalizer. And in fact, it probably felt louder than the overtime winner that uh, the Habs went on to score um, a couple hours later. Uh, now, he is described as the best player after Bobby Orr and before Wayne Gretzky. Uh, and in those six years, he was by far the league's best players, a great ambassador, a guy who focused on youth diversity and inclusion. He would focus more so on getting to know people as people, asking questions like, hey, man, how's your day going? As opposed to reflecting on past months, which he would do in his career, but he was more focused on getting to know more about people in the now as he's talking to them the moment it's happening. And and that's a, the type of down-to-earth personality that he had and a lot of people respected. And there was one story that I wanted to share that Liam McGuire shared uh, during a recent radio interview that he did. A dying man's last wish was to meet Guy Lafleur in person, and he lived in Chauville, Quebec. Guy was in Montreal at the time, and he flew from Montreal to Shawville to meet this dying man and to grant him his last wish to meet Guy Lafleur. The Habs didn't pay for that trip. This was something done out of Guy Lafleur's pocket and on his own time. He did that to meet a guy that he never met before, but a guy who really wanted to meet Guy Lafleur before he died. Yeah. And, he, and he gave him his final wish. Yeah. So that, that's, that's the type of stories that I'll remember about Guy. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's interesting just from, because you hear stories all the time, especially here in Boston, about that, like, time when he uh, he kind of, like, destroyed Bruin, the Bruins' hopes in uh, um, 
in the playoffs and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that, that's also another thing here. Um, I was just looking while you were talking of like how did he stack up with like goals, points, and assists um, all time in the career. Uh, so he currently has uh, he's currently twenty seventh um, all time in goals. He's thirty uh, fourth in assists, which I thought was surprising. As I mentioned, he had a lot more assists than goals, but that's fine. Um, I guess I, that just shows that a lot of that's the same for a lot of players. And then in terms of points, he was twenty. He's 29th right now. So um, in points, um, but yeah, which is yeah. which is very good. Into in when you look at the grand scheme of things, when you count the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, yeah. the 2010s, all the great players that yeah. have come up the ranks there. The fact that he's still like top 30 yeah. uh, just basically holds up and validates just how good of a hockey player he right. was. But I would imagine he is further up that list before the likes of Mario Lemieux retired and Wayne Gretzky. And yep. You also have Marcel Dion, who I believe is pretty high in the points category. Um, Steve Eiserman, too. A lot of those legends that either hadn't started their NHL careers when he was in, in his primer, like even winding down his career, um, or were like in the middle of their careers and weren't even close to uh, Guy Lafleur. So... Um, yeah, probably back in the day, he'd be like top 10, top 15 score at least. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, um, yeah, of course. Yeah, you, you mentioned it too. Is like, even though he played uh, his first year in the league was in 1971, and then he um, ended his career in 1990, 91. Um, like, yeah, he kind of bridged the gap between Bobby Orr and Wayne Gretzky. Um, in a way, even though like Wayne, Gre like Wayne Gretzky was just starting uh, when he was getting going, and uh, Bobby Orr's like career was dwindling down or starting to get injured um, towards that time. And I guess in the 1971, uh, sorry, not the 1971, the 1972, 1973 Montreal team, um, that was the famous season that or playoffs where. Uh, he destroyed the Bruins' hopes, because um, uh, yeah, uh, I think like the Bruins had like an even better team than the other uh, Stanley Cups that they won um, that the following year. So, um, so yeah, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, of course they lose to the Habs, um, like that. <laughs> but all right, uh, yeah, like like all like we do with, with all NHL. A legends that pass we're going to do a moments of silence and then we'll get on with the rest of the show so all right so uh yeah we don't have any other segments um and we're just gonna get to the main topic right now uh, we were going to start off with the Eastern Conference, but as we mentioned last week, um, it, it is pretty much set. Um, it's just like a matter of seeding and stuff like that, but we'll get to the Eastern Conference in a, in a bit because uh, we're going to start off with the Western Conference because there's more in the, in the way this week of um, what's like, you know, of what could happen and all that stuff and uh, there's three spots that are still up in the air, um, and it's yeah, it's getting to that point. Uh, there's one 
week left of uh, of games, and we'll see um, we'll see uh, who like you know it's it's very exciting just to see who's going to make it in and who's not. Uh, so currently, we have uh, Colorado. They clinched the division, um, so they're they're in the central. Um, then you have Minnesota, uh, so, but we don't know their wild card or who they're going to face just yet. Um, Minnesota and St. Louis, I think that's the only matchup of the Western Conference that we don't know, or that we do know, I should say, that's going to be the matchup. It's going to be Minnesota. Yeah, and the St. only Louis. thing I think we don't really know yeah. is who gets home ice. Right, right. That's going to be probably a yeah. very big factor in the series. Because uh, currently, so currently St. Louis has two games left, um, and Minnesota has three games left, but they both have 109 points. By the way, uh, we're recording this on Monday morning, uh, so just keep that in mind because this will come out on Tuesday, and um, who knows uh, what's what's going to happen on tonight's game. So, just uh, by the way, uh, yeah. not to sleep on St. Louis, but they have 304 goals, and while it's not by much, that's more goals scored than the Avalanche, who have uh, 55 wins on the year. Oh yeah, that's, that's something that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about them next week, I guess, when we do an official playoff preview. Yeah. Um, then uh, on the Pacific side, we do have Calgary, who uh, clinched their division. Edmonton uh, clinched a playoff spot. Uh, currently, the third Pacific uh, uh, spot is Los Angeles, um, but uh, they haven't clinched that just yet. Um, and then the two wild cards, which I'll get into in a second, um, Nashville and Dallas are there. Um, so there are two teams that are on, on the outside looking in. Um, and that, so one is Vegas, um, and then the other one is Vancouver. Uh, so LA um, has 96 points right now. Um, and in 80 games, so they have two games left. Uh, I guess that means that uh, the most, so if Los LA wins out, they have 100 points, or they can have 100 points. Um, Nashville is the wild, or, and then I guess we can do the Pacific first. Uh, Vegas um, has 90 points um, in 79 games, and the most that they can do is, uh, you're going to have to do math you just check my math quickly uh steve if you if you can uh, that okay. means that the most that they can get is 102 points if they win out they do play dallas uh on tuesday so that should be a fun game or the true decider um who's this now just uh, clarifying vegas uh, Vegas plays Dallas. Vegas, if they win out and they win their final three games, It'd be uh, they would get uh, they would get ninety six points. Oh, oh yeah, not one hundred and two. I, yeah. I don't know why I saw that. <laughs> I mean, they wish they yeah. wish that be the case. Just like, yeah, can you just yeah, do yeah. more points still for every game? So yeah, they had a uh, yeah ninety six. Uh, so yeah, ninety six. Yeah, give, give us another handout. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that'd be funny, actually. But yeah, you see, you're you're good that uh, you corrected me right away, <laughs> right after I told you to do the math. Um, and then uh, if Vancouver, so Vancouver has 87 points in 79 games. 
Uh, that means that they would get 93 points if they mm-hmm. went out. Um, so I guess I'm most... By the way, um, I believe, uh, yep, uh, the Vancouver Canucks played the LA Kings on Thursday. So, oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah, if they're still a lot of that point, uh, yeah, they they can't give LA anything. They need a regulation win there. So, so just because I did the math now, so if Vegas wins out and LA loses all their games, who gets the tiebreaker, do you know? Because then that means uh, that they, they both are we're talking Vegas points. versus Los Angeles, here, yeah. right? Yes. Okay. So funny enough, I just happen to have uh, Vegas uh, here. So let's take a look at uh, oh, the stat like line against head Los head. Angeles. Head to head, Vegas has two wins, an OT shootout loss, and a loss. So they have um, they have five of a possible eight points. Okay. So. I'm pretty sure Vegas has the edge oh, okay. in that department. Interesting. So that that could just... So yeah, they have a shot, I guess, but it's just like LA just needs to win or get a point. Well, um, yeah, they could yeah. have clinched last night, I believe, yeah. if Vegas lost in regulation, but right. sadly they got a point, so that didn't happen. So yeah. the, the Kings are in a very good spot to clinch. Uh, they, they just got burned by... A case of RNG. And yeah, uh, LA got four points in that Vegas series. So yeah, Vegas would hold the edge if the tiebreaker is head to head. All right, interesting. Okay. Um, the uh, And then in terms of the wild card, uh, Nashville has 94 points in 79 games. Uh, so that would mean 100 points uh, for Nashville um, if they went out. Um, and Dallas has uh, 93 points in 79 games, so that would be uh, 99 points. Um, so, so yeah, that's um, that's exciting. Um, all right, so who will get to play Edmonton, and who will get to the two wild cards? Let's start with Edmonton or the Pacific Third uh, spot team. Um, I let's see here. So Vegas is. Um, Next three games, they play Dallas on Tuesday, they play Chicago on Wednesday, and then they play St. Louis on Friday. <laughs> St. Louis is going to be a tough one. Right. Although, who knows? Maybe St. Louis is going to like bench a lot of their players. Who knows? Um, and then uh, L.A. plays Seattle on Wednesday and Vancouver on Thursday. Um yeah, I guess just looking at the schedule, because Seattle, like, all L.A. needs is just one point out of Seattle or Vancouver. Um, and I think that would mean that, yeah, I think they could do it. Even though Seattle has been getting better um, lately, I think I think L.A. can win the game or at least get a point or, you know, bring drive them to OT. So I, I think L.A. has this um, in the bag. Um, in that sense. I think the bigger question for LA is do they have a shot at finishing second? Because uh, while the Oilers do have a game in hand, they're only behind the Oilers by two points. Yeah. So there is a realistic chance, that, I wouldn't say above 50%, but there's a chance where I could see Los Angeles overtaking Edmonton and getting home ice advantage. But yeah, um, I think we're looking at Edmonton, Los Angeles in the first round. Something. It, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that's happened since the Gretzky years. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's been a while since we've gotten that matchup, but uh, back in those days, in the late '80s, early '90s, 
those two teams would square off a ton in the playoffs. Even in Gretzky's early years, there was that miracle on Manchester where the Kings upset a heavily favored Oilers team. Yep. And uh, there were some classic series there. So, yeah, I I think uh, we're going to see uh, Edmonton and L.A. post-Wayne Gretzky matchup here. Uh, I, I don't see L.A. Uh, getting caught up by Vegas, and I sure as hell don't see Vancouver catching them. In yep. fact, uh, let's see, nine-point difference in Vancouver. The most they can get is six points. So, yeah, Vancouver has no mathematical chance of catching L.A., so basically their only concern is the Vegas Golden Knights, and they're six points clear of yep. them. So, yeah, um, I, I think L.A., um, it's just a matter of when, but uh, they will clinch a playoff spot, and they'll probably uh, get Edmonton in the first round. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that that makes sense. Edmonton, by the way, has Pittsburgh, San Jose, and Vancouver as their last three games. Um, yeah. So uh, they'll probably lose to Pittsburgh. San Jose did, has been looking better now. They were probably motivated to beat uh, Vegas last night, so um, yeah. So maybe they're they're gonna try to ruin more more teams. Who knows? And then Vancouver on Friday. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it's possible that uh, that Edmonton could lose out, but we'll see. Um, and, yeah, and again, this is why division alignment Brett yeah. means so much because it doesn't matter how good Nashville and Dallas do. It, it, it has no relevance to the Kings because yep. this is a battle for third, not a battle for a wild card spot. So their only threat right now is Vegas. So as long as they do well against Vegas, and it looks like unless Vegas catches up with them, um, they'll be in the clear, uh, they're going to get that third spot and they're going to be in. It would be a different story if this was a battle for a wild card, but it's not. So yep. um, that that's why LA is in a good spot. Yep, yep. Um, all right, now we'll talk about the other t- the other three teams that are in it. Um, let's let's actually start with uh, Vancouver because they're technically they're the most likely team to be eliminated. Yeah, they're not mathematically yeah. dead, but they might as well be dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because like Vancouver did have a strong second half because uh, they they did get Bruce Boudreaux. So I do feel bad for them because, like, this is the team that we're finally should be seeing. Um, Elias Pedersen, by the way, has been awake. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but, um, yeah, he has... He is awakened from a slumber. Yeah, he, he now has 66 points in 77 games. Um, I don't... Yep. Um, I'm sure it's his second half. It's even more impressive because he had a horrid first half. Uh, yeah, the comparison so, first half wasn't very good. So, um, so yeah, that, at least that's like, on the, if you're a Vancouver fan, at least you can say like, well, all right, next year we'll have a healthy Peterson. Boudreaux seems like he's going to be a good coach uh, for the team, and, and we'll see. But, uh, yeah, it does seem like Vancouver is out of it. Uh, but they play uh, Seattle on Tuesday. I guess Seattle has some important games <laughs> on, on these, uh, these last <laughs> week. Um, LA on Thursday and then Edmonton on Friday. So, uh, yeah, so they play a couple of teams there. Um, and then in terms of the, the two teams that currently have a wild card spot, uh, Nashville plays Calgary on Tuesday, uh, Colorado on Thursday and Arizona on Friday. Uh, so those are tough teams, but I do wonder if Calgary and Colorado, who have nothing to play for at this point, I uh, start like 
resting some of their guys so that they don't get injured um, and and all that stuff. So that that could that could happen and that could make it easier on Nashville. And of course, Arizona is Arizona. So um, it seem I think if Nashville even like gets a point, then I think they they are good. Um, but oh, I guess as we mentioned, as we did the math, that if Nashville had 96 points, I think it's like the threshold. So all they need to do is win one more game, um, and they would be good uh, because mm-hmm. they have 96. Uh, they have 94 right now. And, um, and one of the conditions um, yeah. for their success um, moving forward um, could have happened last night. Again, that Vegas-San Jose game, they're actually three separate fates. Uh, none of them took place, oddly right. enough. Uh, there was the Kings clinching. Uh, there was, um, I think, uh, Vegas getting... Uh, I don't think it was Vegas getting eliminated, but LA clinching, Vancouver getting eliminated, mathematically. Neither of those happened. And yeah. uh, Nashville clinching. That would have happened if Vegas lost in regulation and Nashville beat Minnesota in regulation. Both of those went to extra time, so it didn't matter if Nashville won. Right. Um, but again... Nashville is again if if they just keep pace and wind out the clock they'll they'll secure a playoff spot it's just a matter of where they finish because for Nashville now it's going to be okay do you want Calgary or do you want Colorado off rip I'm pretty sure I know which one they're taking yeah yeah. uh Dallas is in a similar spot to Nashville uh they (laughs) they have uh 93 points in 79 games um they uh so they need three points out of these next three games at least three points. Um, so they play Vegas on Tuesday, which will be a big game, of course. Uh, they play Arizona on Wednesday, and then they play Anaheim on Friday. Um, so I, I imagine they'll they'll make it in. Uh, so with all that in mind, because I did all the schedule stuff, um, who is so we we're kind of decided that we think LA is going to get the third spot in the Pacific. Uh, so do we think that Nashville and Dallas are going to be the wild card teams? I think Nashville will be. Um, they're probably going to be playing every single one of the stars that are physically capable of playing. Um, so I think they secure a spot there. Um, where they finish in the standings, that's a different story, but I think they're good enough to hold on to a playoff spot and get in the dance. Uh, Dallas, uh, this is where the matchup against Vegas is going to be interesting because they played each other twice, and while both games have been decided by a goal, Vegas has won both of those. So already the season series, regardless of what happens on Tuesday, is going to favor Vegas. So if Dallas uh, and Vegas are tied at the end of the year and it's decided by head-to-head, Vegas is going to come out on top. Um, So the the way Dallas uh, is looking... um, they're they're not in the, they're not in a spot where they can uh, afford to be giving uh, teams any chances of life. Here's the good news for Dallas: it's a home game against Vegas, and I don't know if you've seen their home record. They're 19, 20, and two away from home. At home, they're 25, 10, and three. So a noticeable difference there. Vegas has won 20 road games uh, this season, but. Um, I would classify their road record as being slightly worse than their home record. They're 22-15-4 at T-Mobile Arena. Away from T-Mobile Arena, however, Vegas is 20-16-2. 
Um, so in terms of home and away records, I would say Dallas has the edge there. Uh, Dallas after Vegas, they get uh, Arizona and Anaheim bread, as you mentioned. And again, all, all three of those games are home games. Yeah. So their road schedule's done. They close out the season uh, on home ice in their own building. So if they take care of business at home, uh, Dallas is looking pretty good there, um, which leaves, unfortunately, uh, Vegas and Vancouver on the outside looking in. And I'll be perfectly honest, even if uh, Vegas somehow pulls a rabbit out of their hat, um, they're easily going to be out of the first round. With the injuries that uh, they have on right. IR, uh, Obviously, a lot of the LTIR injuries are to <laughs> make sure they have cap space to ice a proper team every right. night. But uh, one of those on LTIR is Laurent Brassois, who, uh, if Robin Leonard gets hurt, is probably the guy you lean on. Oh, wait, you mean Robin Leonard also isn't 100%? Well, yeah. that's unfortunate then. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're rolling with an injured Robin Leonard if he's good enough to play, which... Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, the, the reports of off-season surgery there, I mean, that could be possible if they push him too hard. So I really fun, don't know man. about that play. So supposedly, uh, Steve is alluding to this, uh, but uh, Rob, there was a report by Emily Kaplan and ESPN that Robin Leonard is done for the season. Um, but uh, then, uh, like, about the next day, Pete DeBoer was asked about it, and uh, he had no idea... Uh, he was like, oh, news to me. Um, so so it's unclear about that. Um, and then, you know, now there's like, I think Friedman is saying that it seems like Leonard is angry at the organization uh, because of this whole thing. And um, so it's like unclear how like 100% if Leonard is 100%, if he's going to play at all. Um, if not, like what what's going to happen? But seems like Robin Leonard is not happy with how Vegas is dealing with this. Big shock, because uh, Vegas does not treat their players that well. The the <laughs> irony the irony of yeah. this is wow. Because, like, remember yeah. that time where they got Jack Eichel because he was unhappy with how right. his injuries being dealt with in Buffalo? Yeah. A few months later... Yeah, no, you have a good point. Yeah, and then, um, not to mention, like, Robin Leonard has, like, there was, like, a team, like, I remember he was talking about this early on in the season, about, like, a team that, uh, like, plays guys who are injured, and he hates, he hates doing that stuff, so, it's like, there's, that's what I thought when you were mentioning irony, I thought you were saying something like that, where playing while you're injured is not something that Robin Leonard loves to do, so, um, yeah, so I think if we may see Robin Leonard, but um, if we do, it seems like he's not going to be 100%. Um, but uh, I think there is a chance that he's just, yeah, going to be sad. But you do bring up a good point. Imagine being like Jack Eichel and seeing the situation. You're like, I thought I was in the, like, I thought I was in this tricky situation. And also like, going yeah. through it with Buffalo, yeah. too. There were, there, right. there, Leonard talked about the times where yeah. Buffalo mishandled, I think it was an right. ankle injury. Well, yeah, Rob, Leonard, Leonard had Eichel's back back in the day, uh, back when that happened, so, um, mm -hmm. for that similar reason, so, um, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting that it's like, okay, it might be happening again, but, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I assume there's more to this than, uh, we know right now, but, um, 
but yeah, once we do, we'll, we'll mention it. Um, the, the worst thing, and I'm going to get on a tangent because I realize we have more time to play with here. It's fine. If Vegas misses the playoffs, please, Vegas Golden Knights, for the love of God, don't become your own worst enemy. And by that, I mean, be patient. Don't rush things. Don't make changes for the sake of making changes unless they actually make the team better. And also, uh, don't force guys to play injured or don't burn bridges. Don't don't get into those bad habits. Because, like, seriously, this is going to burn you in the future because your your team product may look good now. And that's why people are willing to trust it. But you're gonna, if you burn so many bridges, there are going to be players that are going to take note of that when it's, when it's their time to hit the free agent market. And they're just going to be like, I don't know about Vegas. I think I'm going to go somewhere else. Sorry. Right. Just right. because of this. For stuff like this, that is completely avoidable. Yep. Like, again, even if they make the playoffs, how far are they going to go? Are they even going to win a game? So if they get Colorado, I don't know. I really don't know. So, yeah, again, uh, the just, thing, don't create more problems for yourself. That's all I'm saying. The thing with Vegas, though, is that they do make the playoffs, which I, I don't think they will. Um, but if they do, like, there is a chance that they could pull, like, a Tampa Bay because they don't have to worry about the cap. And maybe so then they don't have to, like, worry about, like, so then they can bring Riley Smith back. They can bring all these guys on LTIR um, back into the fold. Um, so it's like all of a sudden they have a team that like because the cap is no longer there they they could be a scary team if they get all their healthy guys back but but yeah it, it does seem like they're not um, going to make it so maybe that's something that we don't have to even worry except about except when Tampa circumvented the cap they were defending Stanley Cup champions right. Florida was in the playoffs unproven. And yep. the year before that, uh, they had to go through Columbus, which uh, I will point out is not the Colorado Avs. Right. <laughs> Vegas is going to have a tougher road in the first round than Tampa Bay ever did. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I guess uh, it's fair. I think a different situation, even if they circumvent. Yeah, I, 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 I know what you mean. It's obviously, like, you know, Tampa, like, made the playoffs without Nikita Kucherov, so that's, like, impressive in its own right. But, um... But yeah, I don't know. I guess I could see it where it's like, okay, they they get into the playoffs and then they really start churning. But yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe like they make a they're gonna make a cap. They have to make a cap dump move uh, in the off season, and then uh, and then once they're ready, then you still have like Eichel, Patches, and um, and Mark Stone in there, and hopefully you can keep. Robin Leonard happy enough in the off season or you know just in the regular season um, and do that. What is the true irony is uh, now that I think about it is that they uh, you know who they really need right now uh, now that Mark uh, that Robin Leonard is in a hundred percent Mark Andre Fleury and they don't have Mark Andre Fleury so. <laughs> Um, yeah, and that's why they were able to get through last year when uh, yep. Robin Leonard was hurt, because they had yep. Marc-Andre Fleury, and he yep. turned into a Vezina Trophy winner, not a yep. candidate, a Vezina Trophy winner. Right. And they traded him for a prospect I'd never even heard of. Right, right, right. <laughs> Again, great asset management, another strike against Vegas. Well, um, though that, that was I, just I, a cap-dump move. But they're, they're going to make now, another dumb thing like that, too. 
Um, yeah. You know, well, I will also say that if Vegas missed the playoffs, rightly or wrongly, Peter DeBoer is probably not back next year. Yep. And I would support that if their solution is Tortorella. Because you need a coach that, regardless of the injuries and circumstances, can get the most out of his team every single night. Is it going to bark up the wrong tree with Jack Eichel? At times, probably. But if this team wants to be successful in any situation, in any terrain, a guy like John Tortorella, at least for the next couple of years, the first couple of years that he's their coach, he makes a positive impact and there's little negative drawbacks to his approach. So I would I would do that and also don't get in his way. Like the only way John Tortorella would probably want to coach the baseball Knights and not John Tortorella, so I don't speak for him. I don't know what he's thinking. But if he does take that Vegas job, they, they can't get in his way. Like, it, they can't tell him what to do. And I'd say they haven't done that with Pierre DeBoer and Gerard Gallant, but I, I mention all of this because with Gerard Gallant, it was, it was a, a miss, I don't know if it was miscommunication or misdirection or different ideologies, but ownership and management weren't seeing eye to eye with Gerard Gallant. That can't happen if Tortorella's their coach. They need to trust that what he's doing is best for this team, and they need to let him do his job. So, again, I don't know if that's going to happen, but that would probably be one guy where I'd, where I'd just be like, if it's time to make a change behind the bench, I make that change. Yeah. But otherwise, um, DeBoer might be back, but if Tortorella is a fair game to coach Vegas and he wants to do it, um, then rightly or wrongly, I think DeBoer is out of a job there. Yeah, that's that's definitely possible. Um, by the way, I'm just looking at the goalie stats because uh, Logan Logan Thompson, who is the only active, healthy goaltender that Vegas has right now, he's actually not doing too badly. Uh, he's nine five and one. He has a two point six four GAA and a save percentage of nine seventeen. Um, yeah. And so, uh, of course, it's only 16 games, and, and uh, he's now, like, just taking the full load of the team. So who knows what's going to happen in these uh, next three games. But, um, but yeah, even still, like, he's been a lot better than Robin Leonard when Robin Leonard's been healthy. Um, so, um, so, yeah, there, there could be something to that. Um, yeah, and, and I will say Logan Thompson has also put up solid numbers uh, in the AHL this year, too. But I'm, I'm pulling up uh, Logan Thompson's numbers in particular because I wanted to see if he has any experience against... Oh, yeah, he has zero NHL experience against the Colorado Avalanche, right. who is probably what Vegas is going to be dealing with in the first round. Although he did beat Florida, so I guess that's sort of an equivalent to Colorado. Yeah. So there's there's that. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're still in hot water. By the way, uh, this uh, tweet from Elliot Freeman, uh, Dallas versus Las Vegas Tuesday night. Stars get a regulation win, and they get in the playoffs. Okay. All right. Uh, so, yeah, I think – so I have, I guess – uh, judging from, I guess we'll know right away as opposed to uh, the predictions that we did six months ago, um, like we did last week. So, uh, so yeah, we think that it's going to be LA uh, gets the third spot in the Pacific, and then the wild cards are going to be Nashville and Dallas. So it's just going to remain the same. Yeah, I'm going to say Nashville gets the first wild card and Dallas gets the second one. Okay. 
Um, yeah, Which, that... uh, first wild card would get Calgary, second would get Colorado. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I guess I would rather play Calgary than Colorado, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Calgary is going to be is is going to be a pretty good team too in the playoffs. I feel like so. Oh yeah, um, no, they're they're going to so, be a yeah. tough out for sure, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, they also don't have a Kale McCarr on the back end. They true. have some good defense, and don't get me wrong, but they don't have Kale McCarr. True, so true. That's, that's one thing that Calgary doesn't have that Colorado has. Yep. All right, so now we'll go to the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, as we mentioned, it's, um, it's all set um, in terms of, like, um, what, what eight teams are in the playoffs. It's now it's just a matter of reseeding and figuring out who's going to play who. Um, so currently Florida um, has the most points. Um, I guess they they have the um, – do they have the President's Trophy? Um, they um, probably will. I, I don't, don't they think they have it. the President's Trophy locked up because Colorado's been doing a good job with uh, keeping pace with them. At the moment, uh, Florida has got – um, 120 points, and Colorado has 116. Colorado has three games left to play, and so does Florida. So yeah, not, not they don't have the President's Trophy locked up completely, but uh, they might. Uh, and while they did lose uh, their last game uh, prior to that, Florida did win 13 straight, which I think is yep. their second double-digit win streak of the year. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely like their chances of winning it, but they haven't secured it yet. I think I saw a stat that Claude Giroux was the first player to be in a 13 game losing streak and a 13 game winning streak um in the same season that's right yeah oh that's so funny yeah um so so that that's interesting um so yeah i i would imagine florida has the president's trophy but president's trophy is kind of a meaningless thing when you think about it because it's like who cares? You know what's also a meaningless thing, though, is shootout records. And Florida's three and four in those. That won't oh, help really? in the playoffs. So, well, that, yeah, there, there are a lot of stats that you're just like, yeah. eh, doesn't matter. Right, right, right. Um, they still haven't won a playoff series since 96. They have a lot to prove. True, true. Um, okay, so, um, yeah, so Florida has the first spot. Um, Toronto has um, 111 points in 80 games. Tampa has 106 points in 79 games. Um, I guess if we're doing the Atlantic Division stuff, uh, the Bruins have 103 points in 79 games. Um, so I guess there is a chance that Boston could get that third spot, but it, w- it would have to be that Tampa would have to lose all their games, um, and Boston would have to win uh, two of them. So... It is possible, but it it doesn't seem likely. Um, Carolina um, is uh, in in the Metro. We have Carolina has the first spot with 112 points in 80 games. Um, Then you have the Rangers with 108 points in 79 games. Um, And then the Penguins with 101 points in 80 games. Um, The Washington Capitals, who are the second wild card team right now, of 100 points in 79 games. So, if the season were to end today, that means that Florida would play um, Boston and... Um, oh, wait. Yeah, Florida would... No, wait. Florida would play Washington. 
I why did yeah. I think they would play Boston? Um, that, that's that's on me. Um, so so Florida would play Washington, and then a Carolina uh, and then Toronto and Tampa would play each other for the two three, um, and then Carolina would play Boston, and the Rangers and the Penguins would play um, would play each other. So um, yeah. Um, but, uh, so if those are the four matchups, um, what, what matchups are we most looking forward to? I think we all know the answer to this question. It's Toronto Tampa Bay. I mean, if you, if you look at the rhetoric between the, the Leafs and the Stanley cup, it's obviously that they haven't won in 50 some years. Yep. Um, but if you look at their playoff success, again, for the millionth time, they haven't won a playoff series since 04, which, for the sake of my Senator's sanity, if we could not talk about that series and those two suspect goals on Patrick Oline, that'd be great. Yep. Maybe just win a playoff series so we don't talk about that. That'd be great, guys. Before the Sens make it back in the playoffs, that, that'd be fantastic. Uh, but that's not the point. Story for another day. This would be a great time for the Toronto Maple Leafs to put up or shut up. Because you had all those chances against the Boston Bruins. 2013, Game 7, TD Garden, we all know how that ended. Mm -hmm. 2018, TD Garden, Game 7, they didn't win again. 2019, Game 7, TD Garden, shocker, didn't win again. And then they've had two series-clinching scenarios at home against Columbus and Montreal, respectively, and done nothing with those. Yep. And, of course, that Montreal series, they had a 3-1 series lead, three chances to close them out, swung and missed on all three. Mm-hmm. If they beat Tampa Bay, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, in the first round to win their first playoff series since 04, I think you would get, well, obviously, a lot of overconfident Leaf fans saying, we can beat anybody this year or the playoffs. We're going we're gonna to win the Stanley Cup this year. But I really think the Toronto Maple Leafs could go on a run if they if they get Tampa Bay and they beat them. And you know what? In the regular season, they've shown they can not only beat Tampa Bay, but they can also handle them pretty well. The first matchup against Tampa Bay at home, they win 2-1, to one, a very tight game. They get the job done. They outshoot Tampa 34-25 to 25 and get two points there. And it's, uh, I believe, uh, I think it was a regulation win there too. So, hey, even better. Didn't even get Tampa Bay a point. Uh, they go, uh, they, they host Tampa Bay again uh, on uh, the 9th of December. And uh, that one, unfortunately, doesn't end as well for Toronto. They outshoot Tampa 38 to 27. Unfortunately, or, uh, yeah, I'm looking at Toronto, uh, Toronto versus Tampa from Toronto's side. Okay, yeah, I got that right. Um, Toronto outshot Tampa 38 to 27 in the second time they played each other. Unfortunately, Tampa came out with the 5-3 win. And then there was that road trip in early April where the Leafs back-to-back in Tampa, then in Florida, get three out of a possible four points. And one could argue they could have beaten Florida, too, to take four out of four. But they get three out of four, and they smack Tampa Bay 6-2, to two in the first half of that back-to-back, and they outshoot them 39-34 to in that game without a single power play goal of those six goals, by the way. Yep. So Toronto looking good there. 
Unfortunately, there was that setback last week where they got spanked 8-1 to in Tampa Bay, so that Florida road trip didn't go as well, even though they outshot Tampa 37-36 to in that game. The scoreboard didn't uh, indicate that Toronto was the better team. And, uh, yeah, four goals against in the second, four goals against in the third. Uh, that's all she wrote for the Leafs, and they, they only get uh, one out of a possible four on that Florida road trip. But I do like the makeup of this Leafs team. Again, this is the big if. If the big guns on offense show up, Nylander, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, if those guys show up, Toronto, I like their chances. And also, if their goaltending shows up, I like their chances. Because this is this is where it's going to be tricky for the Leafs, not whether or not they can score. It's whether or not they can solve a Vezina-caliber goaltender. They struggled to do that enough times against Tugarask, and they're going to struggle against Andre Vasilevsky if they don't solve that riddle. And Vasilevsky, I would argue, is more athletic than Tugarask just because of his size and his athleticism. And yeah. that's no knock against Tugarask. It's just Andre Vasilevsky's that damn good. So it would be a big, big series for Toronto if they come out on top. They're going to have home ice advantage. So obviously, if there's a game seven, at this rate, it's going to be in Toronto, not in Tampa Bay, which is huge for the Leafs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot to like. There's a lot of intrigue. There's the fatigue factor that Tampa Bay is going to have to bow through because they've played such a large amount of games in a short amount of time. It wouldn't even if, – if they win the Stanley Cup again, I've mentioned this already, this would be not even two full years from the awarding of the 2020 Stanley Cup to the awarding of this year's Stanley Cup. And Tampa would have three straight Stanley Cup championships to their name. That's a lot of hockey to be played. A lot of overtimes, a lot of grinding on the ice there to get results, to get two points, a lot of traveling too. And just so much fatigue for Tampa Bay to overcome. So that's where I think the Leafs have that potential edge there. And also that hunger. The Leafs, I'm sure every single member on that team knows how big this year is and they want to go out there and prove that they're that they're if not the best team in the league one of the best teams in the league and they're going to have to beat the best to do it it's not going to be an easy road for them and if they can get through tampa bay in the first round that's one back-to-back stanley cups that's been there done that done everything they wish they could do that would be just such a huge confidence booster for the Leafs that I think we could really see something special unfold in Toronto. So for those reasons, uh, Toronto and Tampa easily on my docket, the the series I'm going to watch every single second of. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Toronto and Tampa is really the series. Um, I do wonder though, if like Toronto would rather play Tampa than Boston considering their Oh, they'd hundred percent want to play Boston. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love all American Swayman. I don't know. Boston is not the team. Boston is not the team they've played the past couple of years. They're a different team. I, I, I know I that they're, take, I, I know. still take Boston over Tampa Bay because Tampa has got Nikita Kucherov. They have Braden Point. They have Steven Stankos and they have Andre Vasilevsky and also Victor Hedman. I know, like Boston but is, Boston's good, but like they're not, they're not that loaded, and they don't have depth players like Ross Colton and Corey Perry that are having solid seasons, and Nick Paul too, and Brandon Hagel. Um, well, I, I I only say that just because uh, Toronto has like for whatever reason like the Bruins are 
Toronto's boogeyman. So I don't know if they necessarily want to face Boston either. Uh, just because past doesn't matter to me. Past does not matter. I, I mean, worry it about does. The present and the better team now is yep. Tampa Bay. So I'd rather take my chances with Boston and the demons they have roaming around the ring. Yeah, I mean, either way, it's it's going to, like, if Toronto gets past either team, it's going to be, like, a big thing where it's like, okay, now oh, yeah. we have to take Toronto seriously if they can beat Boston or Tampa. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I, I do I do know what you mean, that Tampa is also, like, they do have the most points and all that stuff, but um, I don't know. I, I think that, like, there is some psychology um, with Toronto and their players, and they're just thinking, like, Oh, we have to play Boston again. Like we lost. Like they're like they're psychologically damaged from Boston. So I don't know if they would necessarily want to play Boston. Um, and and that's the, and that's the, like I would say this by the way if I wasn't. I do think it's a valid point. Here's my argument yep. against that. You look at Toronto's record against Arizona and against Montreal and against Ottawa and even Seattle too, and all of the bottom feeder teams that you think, oh, yeah, they probably, like, dominated these guys, and you're just like, wait, that's only their record? But then you look at the teams they're able to go out and beat the next night after a bad game. They're they're very good at putting bad games behind them and getting back on track, which is something in previous years with previous league teams we didn't see. That's why this year's team is different. Obviously, the concerns of defense and goaltending are still there, but in terms of the mentality, I think it's I think it's a different go around. I think this team thinks differently. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see in a couple weeks if if that's true or not. But um, but yeah, I I still think that there is that like there is also like an equal hurdle for them if Boston um, is the opponent as well. Um, it should also be noted, by the yeah. way, that the Bruins have played uh, the Leafs twice, and Toronto's won both of those games, just saying. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. By the way, I would be saying this even if I wasn't a Bruins fan. I like It's like a historic thing that the Bruins have beaten Toronto like every time that Toronto's been in the playoffs um, the last couple of times. So, um, and they also get the yeah. Leafs one more time before the season ends, right. too. So if you yeah. want a precursor to a potential matchup, there you yeah, go. You will see. Um but it doesn't like it doesn't look like they uh, the Bruins can be the third spot. Um, like t- Tampa would, would have to a lot of luck, yeah. and they would need to win out for that to happen. Yeah, and but Tampa yeah, would have it to would lose. Be most yeah. likely that Toronto gets Tampa. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, we'll see. Um, I I do agree with you though that Toronto and Tampa is the most exciting matchup. Uh, but I do want to show that um, I do want to mention that like. Florida playing uh, Washington or Florida, even like Florida playing Boston um, or Florida could be playing, end up playing Pittsburgh is kind of intriguing in a way because it's like Florida is really good, um, obviously this season. Um, And, uh, but the thing is, is that this is their first time going to be in the playoffs with this core of a team. Um, Whereas, like, yes, Pittsburgh, Boston, and Washington aren't what they used to be, but they do have the playoff experience from uh, that Florida doesn't have. So I am. It's going to be one of those classic things of like, do you take experience versus actual talent? Um, and and that could be something that's intriguing of whoever Florida ends up playing. Um, yeah. And then. Um, 
uh, yeah, and the Rangers, Pittsburgh, or, uh, yeah, even, like, the Rangers, Bruins, I guess we're going to get into, like, potential matchups that we want to see, but, um, yeah, the Rangers could be an interesting playoff team, because they're kind of like Florida, where it's, like, this is their first time, um, being in this playoffs, like, on an actual, like, with this actual core, so it's, like, curious to see how they're going to stack up with, teams that have been there for a while uh, like Pittsburgh or uh, Washington um, but uh, yeah we'll see um, it, it would be yeah. it would be interesting for the memes if it just be like oh we're losing to the other team from New York now right. fantastic right, the right. Islanders gave us enough trouble right right right, right. Um, so yeah Rangers Penguins could be interesting um, and then uh, yeah the, I guess the Hurricanes would play the Bruins that could be interesting too um but it would yeah, be I interesting. Know. I wouldn't like it for your team, though. No, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, and then, um, so yeah, that's... on on the off chance, though, on the off chance, wait, on the off chance, and this is very slim. If Boston somehow gets third, and Tampa free falls all the way to the wild card spot, and Carolina gets the Metro, we get Carolina Tampa in the first. Oh, round. that would be nuts! Yeah. It would be nuts, but also very unfair because yeah. I want that in the second round, not the first. Well, you wouldn't or, get or that. Conference, in... Actually, no, conference finals I think is more realistic. But yeah. anyway, anywhere outside the first round, I would want that matchup. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, no yeah, chance it happens, but there's a chance. That is a good lead-in into the what matchup do we want to happen. So I, I take it that you want Tampa, Carolina. Um, but that would be fun. I, I kind of, uh, I mean, this would be a good matchup for the Bruins, but I would love, like, if the Rangers could somehow get that Metropolitan first spot, so it would be New York versus Boston, um, yeah. that would be intriguing, or that's something that I would like, just from, like, a New York-Boston type thing. Although, of course, yeah. the like the Bruins-Rangers rivalry isn't as big as the Red Sox-Yankees um, or... Um, even like the Jets, Patriots, but um, I, and partially that's because they're not in the same division. But you know uh, they have their fair share of like playoff times, and of course they're both original six teams. But that would be fun just to see like uh, the Bruins play the Rangers. Also, I don't know if you know this, but uh, or they showed this during the game on uh, Saturday when the Rangers and the Bruins played. But um, Adam Fox and Charlie McAvoy are childhood friends. Um, and, uh, and, and Charlie McAvoy, they always mention this whenever the Bruins play the Rangers is that, uh, Charlie McAvoy was a Rangers fan, um, growing up. So, so that could be, yeah, fun. there was that tweet yeah. the last time they went head to head in the playoffs where yeah. it's like, I hate the Bruins so yeah, yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, then he, uh, gets what he, he plays the Rangers this time. So that would be fun, but. I don't think that's going to happen because uh, the Rangers have, let's see here, Rangers have 108 points in 79 games and the Hurricanes have 112 points in 80 games. So, like, I guess that would mean that, uh, yeah, Carolina would have to lose all the those two games and the Rangers would have to, would just have 112 points if they win out. So, um so yeah, I guess it's possible that, and I guess the Rangers would win that tiebreaker. Um, so maybe I don't know. Um, it's weird though that the Carolina hasn't been, hasn't clinched officially. So that 
means that if I guess the Rangers would win the tiebreaker. Um, the one thing that yeah. I will say that could work in your Bruins' favor if you do get Carolina in the first round, yeah. I don't know if you heard, but Freddie Anderson's kind of banged up, yeah. and I believe the latest update is that he'd be reevaluated at some point this week. So the fact that you might not get 100% Freddie Anderson or no Freddie Anderson at all, I don't know how much of a chink in the armor that provides uh, for the Bruins to expose against Carolina, but... Uh, I definitely think it makes it easier for the Bruins to get some goals because while Antti Ranta has been okay for Carolina, uh, I I don't know. I, I, I have a more of a trust factor over Freddie than, than Ranta, and it's going to go down even further if yeah. Ranta gets hurt and they have to go to someone like uh, Alex Lyon or uh, Pyotr Korchikov, uh, Korchikov, who they uh, yeah. debuted against New Jersey a couple nights ago. So. Yeah. No, yeah, that's a good point. Um, that, that could be something to watch there. And speaking of the Bruins and their history with Toronto, uh, Freddie Anderson uh, does not have a good playoff, uh, does not do well in the playoffs against the Bruins. So that could, To be that could fair, be. though, um, he also didn't have the defense that Carolina currently has. Yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> so that, he's, he's, he's insulated a lot better this time. Yep, um, also... Uh, I, I think the the Bruins they well they got Pasternak back and Hampus Lindholm back um, this weekend so I think uh, they could be better like and that their their team looked very different uh, than the last couple of weeks so that's another thing that's like this isn't your normal wild card team but maybe that's just my homerism speaking for me we'll see taking a look at the standings also um and i i realize this also requires a bit of luck but not as much luck uh as uh, toronto or uh, as boston uh, bolting past tampa for the third spot yep the washington capitals while they have 100 points and they're three points back to the bruins have the same amount of games left against boston which is three and they're significantly better on the road than they are at home what if Washington vaults past the Bruins, and the Bruins get the final wild card spot, and that means they go up against Florida. Uh-huh. I think for your for your Bruins, that's the worst possible scenario is you get Florida in the first round. Yeah, like I, worse, even worse than Carolina. Because like, have you yeah. seen their depth guys and the point tools they put up? Like, holy yeah. crap! Fair. I don't know. If, <laughs> that would yeah, would be so unfair. Fair. I I don't. Yeah, I think Swayman and. As good as Swayman has been and Oldmark has been, yeah, it's, it would be a lot to take in. But on the other hand, uh, who does Florida have in net? Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, he's, he's not that. He, I will say there are parts of, of Florida that are making me think this oh. team could be the 0-9-10 Capitals where they look to be heavy favorites, 300-plus goals yeah. for, and they're out in seven games right yeah. one. Yeah, we'll see. We'll so, we'll, we'll see I, that. I, I, it wouldn't shock me if they get su- if they get surprised by an underdog and they lose in the first round. It wouldn't shock me, but I expect Florida to at least win a playoff series. So, yeah, yeah we'll we'll see. But um, yeah, there there is a chance it could blow up in Florida's face. You're not wrong. Uh, we'll we'll um, yeah, we'll save that to, to next week. Um, yeah. But uh, I I thought you were going to say that it's possible that the Bruins could uh, surpass Tampa. Um, and then t- I guess Washington could also win out, and then Tampa plays Florida um, in the first round. <laughs> you know that would be interesting, but yep. um, 
Tampa's six points out of Washington, so Tampa would need to lose out, and Washington would need to win out yep. just to tie Tampa. Right, right. So that scenario appears to oh, yeah. be a bit less realistic. Yeah, yeah, but that might happen. Again, stranger things Possible. happen, so you, you never know. We, we, but then, we could, we could somehow get it. Yeah, but then you would get Florida, Tampa, and Boston, Toronto <laughs> in, yeah. that, in the Atlantic. Uh, yeah, that 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 would be that would be interesting right. just for just for the territorial battle. Right, right, but right. I don't know if they would be the best matchups uh, you could come up with. I, I guess Florida Tampa would still be pretty good, but well, it's just like I'd, ra- I'd rather oh. I'd rather Florida go up against uh, the good teams later in the rounds, yeah. just because it eliminates a lot of the intrigue later. Well, Florida Tampa would be like. Really, like, I, I would look forward to that more than any of the other matchups, I feel like. Because, um, but yeah, you're probably right that it's very unlikely that that's going to happen. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like because they're they, they played in the playoffs last year and um, they didn't do so hot, but it would be a true test for Florida yeah. to see how they like stack up with Tampa this time around. Uh, and, and that's why I would rather that in the second or the third round because I think yeah. if they go up against each other in the first round, um, until I see otherwise, I might still pick Tampa to win that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well. just just because I feel like they have Florida's number in those big game moments and with, with Vasilevsky at the helm, yep. you have to beat him four times. I don't care how much offense Florida has, that's a very tough task. Um, but, it, you know, it... Maybe that that happens in the first round, yep. and Florida just dismantles Tampa in like five games or something. That could also happen. Yep. But I'd rather I'd rather see them prove themselves against Tampa in the later stages of the playoffs. Um, just again because that that would create more intrigue later. Even, even though I'm, I'm kind of debating, is there more intrigue when the teams you expect to win don't win, and you get these obscure matchups that nobody anticipated? Or when you get those super sexy Hollywood matchups that are just like, man, this is what we've been waiting all season right, right. for, round two, round three, round four, baby. These are the matchups right here. These I are the must matchups. Yeah, well, it's, it takes me back to like last year when we thought we were going to get McDavid versus Matthews in uh, the yep. second round, and mm-hmm. it turns out that Montreal ruined both those plants. Um, you could and also, also Winnipeg. Yeah, in Winnipeg. Um and then you could also uh, say um, how um, – right, right, yeah, because both Toronto and Edmonton got out in the first round. Um, yeah. But um, the uh, – and then also, like, when uh, Columbus swept Tampa um, that year when Tampa had that big regular season stuff, and, and that mm-hmm. was – that was intriguing, even though like we were all like focusing in on like, okay, who's Tampa gonna play next? Because they're obviously gonna beat Columbus, um, and then that turned out to not happen. Um, so, um, so yeah, that that's that is kind of like um, intriguing. But yeah, at the same time, you're like we were all looking forward to that Tampa Florida series last year, um, and and it did live up to the hype. So, um, it just wouldn't yeah. happen to be in the first round. Yeah. That's the problem. Right. But I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's like, you know, all the Bruins and Toronto series are in the first round. Uh, True. Same with Toronto and Ottawa. They always yeah. seem to be in the first round. There was one year where they yeah. made it to the second round, but for the mm-hmm. most part, 
three times out of the four Battle of Ontario's in the playoffs, it's been yeah. in first round. Yeah, yeah. So, I I don't know if uh, yeah, I I I see what you're saying, but I don't know if it like like I think it's just like how it works now because you you know with the top three teams in each division make it to the playoffs, it's just like it's inevitable that you're going to have like the two, three matchup is always going to be a good matchup. Um, it's just inevitable. So, um, so yeah, you're always going to have like these weird mat, like really good matchups in the beginning. Um, just because of that, the, how the playoffs are structured. What I do now that we do have a, couple, a few more minutes, uh, cause I guess this is going to be one of our shorter episodes. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you pay attention to the NBA, but um, on and off at around okay. this time of year, yeah. But do you know what their playoff structures are? Um, I believe it's. Uh, well, I'll well, tell okay, you. It's fine. Well, it, it, I can. So, I'll. I'll tell you. It's fine. No, 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 no. no wait, wait, wait. I got this because it, it did change. Yep. So top six seeds get in. Yep. Then seventh plays eighth, and ninth plays tenth for two makeshift seven and yep. eight wild card spots. And I think uh, whoever wins seven and eight gets in automatically. The loser of that game plays the winner of the nine ten matchup, yep. and the winner of that game gets the eight seed. Right, right. So, yeah. Would we? Would you like to see that structure in the NHL? <laughs> so, mm. let me see if I can figure out what this would entail. Because, like, I don't know if you know this, but so the Penguins have a hundred and one points. And the Bruins have 103 points. Um, so the but so that would mean that uh, so right now the first uh, so the first seed in the Eastern would be Florida. The second would be Carolina. Uh, Toronto's third. Rangers are fourth. Tampa's fifth, and Boston is sixth. So those six teams are already in the playoffs. Then you have Penguins and Washington playing for the right to play Carolina. And then you have the Islanders and Columbus playing each other. And then uh, they would play the loser of that Penguins Capitals uh, team. And then then whoever wins that game plays Florida. See, that's tough because, I mean, I look at the NHL standings just, just this year as an example. Yep. I look at the NHL standings, and while I do commend the Islanders and the Blue Jackets on playing through this year, despite whatever various hurdles they've had to go through, and they've given it a good ride, the Islanders are 20 points back of the Capitals, and the Columbus Blue Jackets are 21 points back of the Capitals. For the Capitals to miss out just on that alone is kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like, the Caps and the Bruins, uh, for example, and the Penguins, the lesser of the 100-point teams, they're still 100-point teams that have earned the right to be in the playoffs. I don't really feel comfortable taking that away from them. And you know what? To the Islanders and, and to the Blue Jackets' credit, if you think you can hang with these guys, great. Just try to add pieces like everyone else in the offseason, and that could be you next year. Yeah. But, like, on the I, other hand... I just... Nah. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Okay. It would take... It would need to... It would... 
I would need time to simmer through that to, to really get on board. On the other just hand... Off, just just off the top of my head, I, I wouldn't be okay with that. Okay. I, I guess, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's one of those things... Where, well, Washington would have two spots, two ch- tries to get into the playoffs. Um, True. So it's it, it's not like it's completely unfair. And, like, if you can't beat the Penguins, fine, whatever. But if you can't play, you can't beat the Islanders or the Blue Jackets, um, then you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. <laughs> True. So, True. Um, so, I mean, it, yeah. it's like it, like the, uh, the Montreal Canadiens. This wasn't yeah. um, in... 2021 when they went on that magical run it was the year before that where out of 24 out of 31 teams 24 made it in and montreal's the last one yeah i think they got swept in their season series against detroit who was horrendously terrible that year yeah and a lot of people would argue well if you can't beat a horrendously bad detroit team why are you even here and I, i i i should mention though that like i feel like like let's say ten teams in each conference make the playoffs every year, it would change the trade deadline because like teams like Anaheim wouldn't be selling their teams, uh, their players. It would also yeah. change the draft lottery too. Yeah. Also keep that in mind. Yeah, true. Like imagine Pittsburgh has this year where like oh, we're but I will I will say though that it would uh would get rid of tanking altogether because it's like okay you have a better shot of making the playoffs. Um, and, uh, and so it would, like you, you, your, your Ottawa Senators might benefit from it next year because there'll yeah, probably be it, a bubble. It, it thing. Definitely, yep. it definitely would get rid of tanking, but yeah. it might also create terrible RNG. Like there's a chance again, like we saw with the placeholder lottery with when uh, Lafreniere was available in 2020. Remember yep. that? Remember placeholder team won that lottery? Right. Imagine Pittsburgh has this like hundred plus point season. Oh, but we lost to, uh, couple right. of nine ten seeds late and we didn't qualify for the playoffs we did get first overall yep. though thanks to some great luck in the draft lottery it's just like you already got crosby milk and you don't need another superstar what the heck is this <laughs> like teams right. like columbus and the islanders and seattle yep. and arizona teams that need that first overall pick they deserve True. that first overall pick well get it because of that like that's, well what do you what do you mean by deserve because arizona doesn't deserve Shane Wright. <laughs> they, well, I mean, they're yeah. they're clearly tanking, so it's like they I don't know. hope though. I yeah, mean, but like, but if there the if there's ball. more chances to make the playoffs, I think they could. Yeah. yeah, and I will. The other point I do want to make is like if if you apply the same thing to the Western Conference, the nine and ten would be Vegas and Vancouver, and we were just talking about how Vancouver like would just did too little, too late kind of things. But like this would give Vancouver a chance to to make the playoffs, and yes, they would end up playing Colorado even if they did uh, win. But um, but yeah, it would, it would definitely like you know help those teams that just got hot in the second half, um, and and could you know uh, they could uh, see how that goes. But uh, it should I, also I do be know noted, I mean. by the way, that uh, Dallas has gotten the better end of some good RNG for, uh, by that I mean Dallas has won 43 games, or sorry, 44 games they've won. Only 30 games have been in regulation, which means in the overtime or shootout, they won 14 times. 
Like that that's crazy. And that's why they have a negative ten goal differential. Yep. That's why they're in. They're in the position that they're in is yep. because in those one goal scenarios, they've won a lot more than they've lost. Yeah. I will say what what is funny though, um, I don't know if you're paying any attention to the NBA playoffs right now, but uh, the Pelicans. I know that the Raptors have their backs against the wall. That yeah. much I do know. But I uh, so the Pelicans were in this playoff, uh, yep, uh, play-in tournaments, and they played, um, and they ended up playing the Phoenix Suns, who ended up having the best record. The Pelicans, uh, they were the eighth seed, so they would have made it in anyways. Uh, but even still, they had a thirty-six and a forty-six record. Uh, so they they were ten games under five hundred, and uh, now well now one of the best players on the Suns is injured Booker Devin Booker, but uh, it's now the series is tied two two, and Pelicans have a, a legitimate shot at upsetting the Phoenix Suns, so that probably wouldn't happen um, if the playoff play-in tournament uh, didn't exist. But it is it is funny that like this team had a losing record. And they're in the playoffs somehow. True. And, I mean, like, no matter what kind of style that you implement, um, it's not really going to fix all of the issues with the the balance of power in the league. Like, for example, and I'm sure a lot of uh, people that are listening to this are alive, some aren't, and when the 95-96 season happened, that's when the New Jersey Devils, the Benning Stanley Cup champions – one of the few teams in NHL history to miss the playoffs the following year and not get a chance to defend their title. That was largely thanks to a loss at the end of the regular season to my Ottawa Senators. Right. So uh, we, we were part of ruining a team season that year. And uh, the Sens were also in the mix there. The eighth seed that year for the Eastern Conference ended up being the Tampa Bay Lightning. At that point, they weren't known for much winning at all. And yet they finished with 88 points as the 8th seed in the East. The Toronto Maple Leafs had a below 500 record, and obviously there's this is the era where like shootouts, trapezoids didn't exist, and you had uh, points as a result of ties, right? But regardless, Toronto finished the season with a below 500 record and 80 points. That was good enough for 4th in the West, because the 8th seed in the West... At 78, right. which was Winnipeg. And they got Detroit in the first round, and, of course, they didn't last very long. And that was Winnipeg's final season. But yeah. anyway, to that point, you had five teams in the West separated by two points, fourth from eighth, right? Whereas fourth in the East getting you 80 points is less than eighth in the East, which got 88. So there's an eight-point difference between – the worst playoff eligible team in the East versus the fourth best team in the Western Conference that ended up getting home ice in that playoff series. Yeah. Now, obviously, the Leafs lost that series against St. Louis, but who cares? That that's that's just to say, even back then, there's always going to be a part of the NHL that feels ripped off. That felt, man, if we were in this situation, right. we could have been a playoff team. Yep. And you know what? That's true. But also, unfortunately, tough RNG luck. And it happens everywhere. So, yep. what can you do? I remember there was one year when the Bruins, uh, it was recently, relatively recently, where the Bruins just missed the playoffs. And I think the team that made it in was the Red Wings. 
But the thing is, is that the Bruins had more wins than the Red Wings did. It was just that the Red Wings had more regulation wins, which was the tiebreaker. So it's like the Bruins were like one point off just because they didn't win in regulation more often, which is absurd <laughs> when you think about it. So it's just like, oh, okay, well, if there was a play-in tournament, then it's like, all right, it doesn't matter. But um, but I do remember that where it's just like we almost had it even though the Red Wings had one more win um, or one more regulation win. So it, it was a little bit annoying. But that, that, that is another thing, too. Um, also, not to mention, like, the fact that the Bruins have more points than the Penguins do, and the Penguins might get the third spot in the Central, where, or in the, in the uh, Atlanta Metro, and, um, and the Bruins would get the wild card spot. So it would, uh, it would kind of uh, defeat that purpose. Although, like, they used to have it where it's just one eight in the conference, and, um, and they used to do it that way anyways. Um, so that, I feel like that and, was and, a better model. And you know what? It, it, again, like I said, it, yep. it, it obviously sucks that you're going to not have teams in the mix that probably should right. be. I mean, Vancouver at the start of the year, that horrendous yeah. year, I can't believe I'm saying this. Vancouver has the ninth fewest goals against in the entire NHL. And granted, I'm sure a lot of it is thanks to Thatcher Demko. But still, the ninth uh, fewest goals against in the entire season, that's still pretty good. Their penalty kill was horrendous to start. It's under 75% now. But still, uh, it's definitely an improvement. And, and definitely a sign of improvement and a sign of things to come, hopefully, for next year. But again, they, they ran out of real estate and they couldn't make it happen. And the Kings that are currently in a playoff spot right now, they only have a plus two goal differential and they have the 10th fewest goals surrendered. So there are a lot of teams where you could say this team deserves to make the playoffs more than this team. But at, at the end of the day, it, it, it all comes down to a matter of wins and points. And yeah. that's what this point system is based around. And, and even if this system were to create intrigue amongst the fans and whatnot, the NHL has to agree to it. And based on all of the rhetoric that I've heard, they'd much rather the division alignments because they want to hype up the division rivalry. Yep. So in, in that sense, uh, doesn't matter if it's a good idea, the NHL probably won't agree to it. But it's yeah, definitely, definitely worth debating, at least. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that is a good point. I Yeah, I don't know. I, I would... If they did the play-in tournament, it would allow more revenue for them because it's just like yeah, no, for sure, four more yeah, games. Yeah, it, it, it definitely would allow for more intrigue and, yeah. and extend the regular season. But, but yeah. again, that's the other thing: is if it becomes more of a nuisance to schedule those things, um, I I think it can't be like a best of it can't be like oh, yeah. a best of three scenario. It has to be a winner take all game. Well, that, that's that's if what they do. you create like a best of three scenario, that's that's yeah. just overkill. Well, they do that in basketball. It is the best of one. Yeah, so. it, it, it's only yeah. it's it only winner take all game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that so that that was a fun discussion, uh, impromptu yeah. debate we had. Um, all right, that that about does it here for us. Uh, next week we'll have an will know all the playoff teams. I think there's only like one game uh, next Sunday and it's like a, it's like two teams that don't matter. Um, yeah, so, so uh, to, to get everyone up to speed just real quick before we sign off, Brad, sure. there is no games whatsoever on Saturday, April the 30th. There is one game on Sunday, May 1st between the Winnipeg Jets and the Seattle Kraken. 
which wasn't on the original schedule because Winnipeg got a snowstorm from hell right, right. and had to reschedule that game with Seattle. Both of those teams are well out of the playoff race now, so that game means nothing in the official standings. So by the end of the action of Monday, or sorry, Friday, April the 29th, we'll know who faces who and who has home ice. Right, right. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that is about it, but we'll, we'll get to the official predictions next week, um, where we'll talk more about the playoffs and all that stuff. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's around that time where it's time to get even more excited about hockey and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. Oh, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Where, where can, where yeah. can people find us, Brett? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I was just... I felt like uh, nice yeah, yeah. I felt like a kid of like I don't know, like no, I meant to I do that. Um, yeah, so you can follow us on uh, Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at Lace Them Up. Um, you can listen to us and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. That's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth, and we'll preview the playoffs in episode 318, next week's edition of the Lace Up Podcast.